At Solomon Brothers Jewelers, their customers always come first. They're a family business that has been setting the standard of customer care for over 30 years. They have thousands of in-stock options for wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds, and can promise the lowest prices at the highest quality. A diamond marks a new chapter in your life. Trust Solomon Brothers experts with commemorating the most precious moments in your life. Visit SolomonBrothers.com today to begin making memories. Welcome back to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoons seriously. On this episode, we cover the final arc of Young Justice Season 1, doing all of this in preparation for the soon-to-be-announced Young Justice Season 4 on HBO Max, covering all that and more after these ads. One, two, three, it's time for Animation Deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah! Woo! Alright. Welcome back, folks. We are here, as stated at the top of the episode. It is an exciting time here at the Animation Deliberation Podcast because the whole reason we started this podcast, Young Justice Season 1. My friend here, uh, I apologize for not announcing you sooner i'm like getting ahead of myself i'm so excited uh, i'm too excited to care yeah the guy that suggested this show to me and the reason we're doing this podcast suhair ali good to have you buddy we are covering the final part of young justice season one and wow wow what a season it has been they they really knocked it out of the park with these final few episodes uh, just to kind of let the audience know we actually just came off of a live watch of the final episode, so we are definitely riding high here. Uh, Zuhair, why don't you just kind of take the, the floor for a second, and uh, as you have done in the previous episodes, let us know why you saved uh, this particular set of episodes as kind of the the finale for us. So before I get into that, I, I just want to say that I was really excited to watch this episode with J. Scotty on Scener so that I could see his reactions to all the mind-blowing moments. But I loved this show so much that I was geeking out the same way as the first time I watched it. I was like, oh my god, this just happened. That ah! It's just <laughs> so much good stuff. It's, this show does a phenomenal job. Uh, not, to, not to be too presumptive here, but I would say kind of the quintessential moment in terms of like us watching it together and kind of like going back and forth throughout this season... Uh, there was that moment where uh, Robin is with Superboy and he's talking about the kryptonite. He's basically, it's like, it's overwhelming. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's a whelm joke coming. And then sure enough, he's like, all right, maybe whelming. It's <laughs> <was> like, perfect. <laughs> like, yep, they, they definitely said that enough to make it pay off in the last episode. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I selected um, these episodes to come into this arc, I kind of missed one with Miss Martian because I kind of forgot how where that episode was heading when I put it in the last arc. But we know that there was an issue with Roy, Batman, Aqualad, and Robin suspecting that there was a mole within the team. Right. So the episodes 21, Image, 22, Agendas, and 23, Insecurity, all highlight Superboy, Artemis, and Miss Martian of having things that they're hiding from the team that could lead everyone to believe that they are the mole. Right. And this is when Roy starts joining the team, too, because he suspects it, and he really wants to make sure that... um, that the the mole isn't causing issues Mm -hmm. just to find out that he is the mole so i think this really they these episodes together really hit a lot of their stories a lot of where they came from a lot of the background including robin like he was never suspected but you get to see a lot of his his background too and they just did such a great job of like the thing I appreciate about the show that I've mentioned but had to bite my tongue because I didn't want to mention is that there was nothing in there that was put in by accident. It's what we appreciate about Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's what Young Justice did before MCU made it cool was that even the filler episodes throughout this whole season had something that really came into these last two episodes and it was just, it all came together, it was all huge, minds were blown. What did you think about this arc? Well, I mean, just to kind of dovetail off a couple of things you said there, like I couldn't have said it better myself in terms of like just the the continuity building up and whatnot. Because like 
Yeah, even with like what with a twenty six episode run, especially nowadays, like that's a tough thing to do and have every episode like hit and provide something you know important as far as the context goes. So like, I I, I mentioned it a couple of times, but even like a character like Sportsmaster, I'm like, okay, I'm vaguely familiar with with him in, in the comics. Like, why are they focusing so heavily on this this kind of lame villain? But to be fair, they have made him. To, to be, be fair, we had to do it. Had to do it. Uh, <laughs> they have made him pretty badass. But then you like, uh, for instance, we'll, we'll take the character of Artemis. She was definitely one of the most suspected moles, especially in this episode, Insecurity, where you know Roy Roy joined the team in in full capacity, and he just guns for her. And the whole episode really has you wondering, going back and forth. Like we know Artemis, like we seen her you know participate and be a part of this team but they do such a good job of like planting those seeds of doubt with you along the way and then you get that reveal at the end of the episode Sportsmaster is her dad like Sportsmaster is her dad and for those who like know Huntress is her mom who is a big time villain as well yeah and there was a little hint to that when the first time she pulled out her crossbow Mm. as a backup I think it was against harm so when she pulled it out, yes. I was like, oh, yeah, Huntress is her mom, isn't it? And I've only seen her in Arrow and Birds of Prey. So three very different renditions of Huntress. Yeah, as as far as I know, with my limited uh, comics knowledge, there are various versions of Huntress out there. And I'm fairly certain this is a different version than the one that was in you know the recent Birds of Prey or in uh, oh, those sure. seasons of Arrow, yeah, because I, I want to say her name was Helena, Helena something, and this one's obviously got, you know, um, I don't want to presume too much, but it seems like there's, like, Asian ancestry there. I don't, yeah. I don't think I'm off. But off regardless, villainry, villain, villainry? villainry runs within that family. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I, I don't know if it was confirmed before, but we did... Um, we did know. Oh, actually, it was confirmed in a previous episode that Cheshire was, uh, or Jade, was her sister as well. So, yeah, you yep. get the, the reveal that she's basically the only good apple. I mean, I guess her mom's reformed. Uh, but I, I thought they really handled her character well, especially in that uh, that second to last episode where you have the three suspected moles all come to a head on this, on this island. And she's, mm-hmm. like, the first one to kind of step out and say... Uh, this is where I belong, and that's and that's exactly what uh, Sportsmaster said to her at the end of that that episode, the last time that we saw him. So, I was I was convinced for a second that Artemis betrayed us, that she was the mole, and that Roy was right the entire time. Yeah, which was kind of funny because I, I mentioned to to you the way he was going so gung ho after her in that episode made me suspicious of him, which mm-hmm. ended up paying paying off. It's just funny the way the season kind of like takes you back and forth the entire time it, it, it must have been funny for you to kind of have to sit back and yep. and hold that hand. <laughs> like speculate my friend speculate yeah. um but like speaking of that like they kind of zagged when i expected them to zig and vice versa uh i thought the final episode did a really great job about it well as well when we got that reveal of roy actually being you know a sleeper agent clone um in the in the final part of the the previous episode and then the episode opens up with what i mentioned it as we were doing the live watch i was like how terrifying would it be to be hunted by a brainwashed justice league and then immediately the next scene makes you think like oh no he's he's the bad guy and the justice league is is chasing him come to find out i was right the entire time yep (laughs) (laughs) really really they really had you convinced for a second that they actually like figured it out Mm. And they turned it around because they went to the league so or the team so casually, like, oh yeah, like it turns out he tried betraying us, but we figured it out, and he's just on the hunt, attempting to recruit. And then it's like, oh no, they're they're very bad right now. Mm. Mm. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I, I feel like it's a good opportunity to maybe uh, transition to some of the other suspected moles as well. So Superboy got some interesting character development here. Uh, yeah especially concerning his uh his parentage we find out not only is he not full kryptonian there has been uh human dna introduced into his creation or at the time he was created it was there (laughs) Uh, lex Luthor, aka 
Agent 47 in this universe, <laughs> just all he's missing is that barcode on the back of his head, is his father. Um, this was a, a really good episode. You know, he uh, Lex Luthor gives him those, uh, like, nicotine patch. Uh, yeah. The shields, The shields, yeah, that basically inhibit his, his human side and let him go full Kryptonian. But at a cost, he kind of has a, a bit of roid rage. Uh, but then that was also at the end of that episode, we got the first uh, inclinations of what the lights control over their, uh, you know, Cadmus projects was. He really great comic uh, reference as well when he says red sun and then the yeah. next thing, uh, Superboy sitting there with a tie in his hand. Yeah, I actually watched or listened to Matthew Fox's review of that. I think it was on Superhero Ethics. Check oh, that cool. out if you haven't on Strand of Panda. Um, I, I had never read the book, but I think I was really bored at work and I just saw it one day and I was like, you know what? I'll just take some spoilers because it doesn't seem like I'm going to read anytime. I'm not much of a reader. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I heard that and I was like, when I heard, when I was rewatching this and they said Red Sun as a code, I was like, I understand what that means now. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, and that, was, it, that was gratifying for me. Certainly, certainly. That kind of goes back to something I, I've I've mentioned. The show has done such a good job of like planning those uh, references for the diehard comics fans. Or if mm-hmm. you're someone that's not as you know versed in the DC lore, it does an excellent job of bringing up all these classic villains, and you get to spend some some real time with them and, and learn you know what they're all about. Like uh, wh- I can't remember exactly what episode it was, but we got the return of ivo who we hadn't seen since you know well on in uh in in season one i think it was uh Superboy's episode with the the monkeys and whatnot when he kind of had yep. to learn his lesson about not going off blindly on his own the amazo amazo correct yes yes uh what was it i'm trying to think of what is uh what his thing he said before he activated their powers what was it access access <laughs> Uh, those monkeys are, are terrifying too. I, I I need to look it up. I suspect the the guy that voices uh, Clarion, the Witch Boy, who it's always fun to to see him pop up. He had a a, a good performance here as well. I suspect it's the same voice actor because they they're able to do that uh, childlike but very menacing cackle. Yeah. Uh, but to to keep on Superboy, sure. I one of the one of the big oh shit moments for me that I forgot about was when they got ambushed by Cheshire and Riddler. Oh yeah. And he put on his last patch and he was just beating the absolute daylights out of mammoth. Like the super speed punches and the screams and the flying around and laser vision. Like, Oh my God, this is like total beast. They did such a good job at showing all that. Like it was literally a jaw drawn moment. And I I think I'm watching this for like the seventh time now, and it just it gets me every time. Like, oh my god, that was savage. That particular moment stuck out to me as well. I I can't help but think that the animator took a lot of influence from Dragon Ball Z because the way he's like just super punching into his chest, even like his face like contorts into that like angry way. Like I, I was like, I'm getting like Vegeta vibes right now. <laughs> I th- I think Dragon Ball Z could have taken a few tips from this guy. Oh, very true. <laughs> no doubt no doubt uh was you can fly <laughs> but then yeah so he, he's he's taking these these patches and it's something he's kept secret um from the rest of the group not only you know his parentage and the, and the fact that he went back to cadmus and he's actually got his own version of like bizarro in the in match uh the way they they did it with all three suspected moles when they when they get there on the island and you think ah oh, geez they've they've really hit rock bottom they've they've given into the blackmail they've you know given into their demons and allowed themselves to be manipulated he gives the re- great reveal where you know he's had a lot of growth not only is he able to come out in front of the team and say hey not only was I hiding this and this is who my father actually is. Uh, I've been taking these patches and whatnot, and I, I think they make me angry or angrier. And I thought that was just like very subtle, but good for him to acknowledge that he has an ang- anger issue. Um, yeah, he's matured a lot for only being five months old. <laughs> yeah, we always got to keep that in mind. He is uh, he is just a babe. Um, and that, that was another great moment that we got 
in that episode. I guess the the really only other B story we got there was that the Justice League uh, were voting on inducting new members who we found out later on. You know, they inducted Icon, Plastic Man, uh, Adam. Who else? Roy. Roy, yeah. Red Arrow, of course. Um, yeah, because they were... Uh... They were a big no one guy, Gardner. Yes, that was that was so great. <laughs> I like how they they handed Adam his ID card, but he was like in tiny mode. So like, like, <laughs> dumbass, like get bigger. Yeah, that was that was good. I was just the only other thing that kind of stuck out to me was like the way Plastic Man was holding his. At first, I thought he was taking a selfie, but I was like, oh, he's just holding it back, and like he's so happy. <laughs> what a goof! <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were you gonna say? Um, so. From your perspective of watching it for the first time, because clearly mine's a little bit tainted from seeing it so much, when the scene happened that all three of the suspected moles were in front of the light, and you see, like, oh, shit, Superman's in front of... I mean, you see Superman get the message from Luther, so you know it's just kind of like, hey, I need more patches. But then you see Artemis pop up and McGann come up, just, like, terrified, like, oh, my God, Queen Bee, you said that. Which one if any, were you most convinced of, like, they might actually switch sides right now? Hmm. Well, the way they played it, and credit to, you know, the way the show played out, there were actually genuine moments where I I thought it could have been any one of them. Um, Mm. I guess my strongest suspicion was with Artemis, just because everything that we learned about her family, and like, like I said the last time, we really spent significant amount of time with her was when she went home and we got the reveal that Taskmaster is her dad. And he basically said the same thing that she reiterates. This is where she belongs, not with the team. Um, but you've been a bad girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, she gets her comeuppance there and, uh, with McGann as well, it's, it kind of almost ties back into Superboy a little bit as well, because like her big fear was the fact that she was a white Martian. Even in images we had, we discussed that when she showed her true self to her team, she was still lying. So, uh, and then the fact that Superboy knew the entire time, or I guess not the entire time, but back when they mind melded, which I guess would have been the first time in the desert in the Viala desert. Okay. Yeah, and then I, I guess, yeah, there were real moments there because McGann was the last one to kind of step out as well. And it, it, at that point, it felt like she had the most to lose. Yeah. Uh, w- w- I, like, like you said, I know you, you said your experience was a little bit tainted, but uh, if, if you're able to, like, kind of think back on your first viewing, did you did you have, what was your, what were your thoughts about Artemis or was it, did it all hit you the same way it kind of hit me? Yeah, I, I kind of had, like, a back-in-my-head feeling that, like, I mean, but it was all blackmail, you know. Mm. Uh, I can't, I can't recall too much of what my initial thought was. I imagine it was something along the lines of like, "Wait, is Artemis a bad guy?" Um, but they turned it around quickly. Yeah, and, yeah. Like I'm I glad said, they didn't. I'm glad they didn't let us hang with that um, feeling of dread for too long because it was a genuine feeling of dread. I was like, "Oh no!" Because yeah. Artemis has, has quickly become one of my favorite characters. I always, I always tend to to like those characters that can be a little prickly and unlikable on the surface, but you find out there, you know, there's really more there. And especially her relationship with Kid Flash. Kid Flash was one um, in these particular set of ep- set of episodes. He was a little bit more on the, on the back burner, but you know, he's always great. Um, I really like that. While we're, while we're, we're kind of talking about it, might as well mention he had that great moment with Robin where Robin went back to the Haley circus and he's like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing there, bud? And he's like, I didn't want you to, you know, um, question my objectivism or my, or my bias here. And he's like, that's what a best pal's for. Yeah. Like, oh, that was such a great moment. Like, they didn't have to put that scene in that episode, but they did. And that's what that's what makes the whole season pay off so well, are small character moments like that, coupled with these amazingly well-done action set pieces. Like, I, like, people that are directing the live-action movies – Take notes from these. If you can translate, like, any thank of... you. Yeah, that is yeah. what I wanted you to get out of watching the show. <laughs> thank no. you. Yeah, it, it's it's Music great to, to see my a team ears. Like, function that the way, the way they're supposed to. Go ahead and Music talk a little bit more to about it. Please. My ears. 
Right, so the first point you said regarding um, Artemis kind of being that prickly character, mm. for those who watch Naruto, like, I think of the, like, Sasuke-Itachi relationship of older, younger brother, mm. and she is not only under Green Arrow's shadow, but under Red Arrow's. So she's doing the things where she's, like, being obnoxious about it, but she has the talent. Right. But her self-doubt and her being obnoxious to, like, prove that she can be just as good as the older sibling in this case being red arrow is like it's really prominent and strong in this i do enjoy watching the journey of her like developing that self-confidence and knowing what she's capable of Mm -hmm. and there's also a lot of established relationships in this like you said with wally and robin like wally's one of the few people who knows that robin is dick grayson yes yeah nobody else really knows that and in the Haley circus episode that's the first time in the season that you see robin's eyes because he's uh, always wearing his mask or his sunglasses. I, we saw him at Gotham Academy, but we don't. I guess we don't at that point in time. We don't know that he's Robin, or you're not supposed to know for a fact. I guess. Oh yeah, I guess so. No, I didn't mean to, to steal your thunder. So I though. guess as as Robin, I guess it's the first time he showed his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you see a lot of established relations between that, and also when Aqualad approaches Red Arrow. Mm. in his in his armory when he's on the run because he was like he's like i'm talking to the to my best friend who's pointing an arrow at me so it's like they don't have they probably don't see as much of each other as wally and robin supposedly do but like he has that level of respect for roy that he actually like acknowledges him as one of his best friends if not his best friend like he has a relationship he has a way and you see that level of communication between them and it seemed like colleagues yeah. but this is the most of like how much they care for each other on an emotional level that they have that level of level of trust yeah yeah no no doubt uh, i guess aqualad uh called he was he was a character that as well was a little bit more on the back burner for this particular set of episodes, but he was instrumental, you know, in uh, seeding the the mole plot to begin with. And I I agree, like Roy, first of all, where that character kind of winds up, like totally questioning, you know, I am not Roy, but we know the real we find out the real Roy's out there. But uh, yeah, for for Aqualad to you know acknowledge the fact that he's his best friend on the surface world and they really haven't even spent that much time together. That just kind of speaks to the fact that Aqualad is such a, he's, we already know how stoic he is, but he's really, his relationships are based on respect. He's, you know, constantly reporting to Batman, uh, getting feedback and he's always, you know, respectful and, um, yearning to, to learn even in defeat. So the fact that, yeah, he has respect for Roy and vice versa, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't get too much from him for this particular set of episodes. It was nice to to get that, you know, that that good character interaction, much like Kid Flash had with Robin, like like you mentioned. <laughs> and on um, that point, the fact that he knocks out Aquaman and instantly says, "I'm sorry, my king." Yes, yes, that was a great one liner too. Not <laughs> great little uh, non sequitur there for you. Uh, All right, so I kind of pulled myself into this, but like, it needs to be talked about. Sure. Everyone fighting their possessed mentors was so, so cool. Like, I know with Kid Flash, Artemis, Rocket, Aqualad, and I'm sure I'm missing one, it was, like, pretty quick. It was definitely, like, they had the element of surprise. Right. Um, But Robin and Superboy versus Superman and Batman was amazing. And I like how when... When the when the six members like came back from space to like help out, yeah, like everybody comes out of one, and then there's like a close up of Batman, and I was like, yeah, Batman probably is the most terrifying out of all of these right now. But man, that that like one on one on both of them, and when they actually had to like team up to take down their mentors, so so good, so yeah. well done. So we've seen a uh, Robin and Batman go one-on-one twice this season the first time was basketball but this time was the real one-on-one uh but yeah it it was it was definitely cool to see you know the not to take anything away from from wonder woman because she is definitely you know a part of the the trinity um that is dc but she at this point in the show i I don't know what the future holds but she does not have a 
uh, a young counterpart on the team. Protege. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was, yeah, really great moment to see uh, just in terms of it being epic as well, because as much as Robin uh, trying to think of the the right way to say this, as much as Robin respects and is kind of like the perfect uh, protege of Batman, the whole season they've, they've done these things like uh, Wonder Woman had that, that great exchange about Shazam and Robin. It was like, I'm not surprised that you knew Shazam was 10 years old and you're letting him on, on the league when you inducted Robin at nine years old. And Batman was like, he had to face the people that killed his family. He's just like, oh yeah, so he could be just like you. No, so he wouldn't be like me. And we'd already got with Robin before, you know, he doesn't want to be Batman. So... Well, one thing I want to point out, because I meant to say it before, sure. and I forgot, yeah. but the fact that Robin was the only one that knew Artemis's lineage and mm. kept it to himself, because he didn't want the team to think of her any differently, she, he just... There was that moment of being Batman and knowing everything about everyone. Like, right. I think Superman was the... Oh, Superboy was only surprised to everyone. Yeah, But yeah. there was also the... There was the humanity of Dick Grayson of, like... I'm still going to trust you despite knowing this. And this is for me to know in case I need it against you. Very true. Um, and, and, but yeah, the way that they had to go toe to toe with each other and seeing the development, first off, neither of them hesitate. It's like, this is my mission right now. These are, it's not like Batman. It's me. Listen, or Superman. Don't you know it's me? Like Superboy was probably like enjoying, like, letting out some pent-up rage against Superman oh, for I'm, not, like, I'm, I'm sure he did. mentoring him. <laughs> but Robin was just kind of, like, he, he made the first move. He dove in first. He was like, all right, here we go. As as he always does. Uh, but, like, in going back to just, like, talking about, like, I just want to imagine, like, this particular scene translated live action. When they realize that right? they can't take them on alone, Superboy hurls robin into batman and he just like lays him out with this drop kick oh my goodness it was already like just so to see good. it in animated form like and again kudos to the animators for this su- smooth and slick animation and everything has such impact i was just like oh my god when that happened like uh, imagine that translated to, to live action like oh man you think endgame had just, some jaw-dropping mm, moments that, that was yeah enough. right <laughs> and then whipping out the kryptonite yeah oh yeah I wonder if it bothered Superboy less because of his human part. Hmm. That's because so. he got up. I mean, I'm sure he was down because of the the um the cure. You you have to imagine, yeah, as 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 inhibiting as the the human side to him can be, it has to be a benefit in that regard. I would have to, my suspicion would be that he can't be outright killed by kryptonite unless his uh you know, human DNA was already being uh, suppressed. Maybe. Just totally winging it here in terms of uh, providing the headcanon. But I just, you know, I, I uh, let's let's move on to some of the other characters. Uh, Red Tornado is another one that has had a very interesting journey along the way. Uh, you, you look Both. like you're going to say something, so go for it. Before we get into Red Tornado, because we talked about Miss Martian so much, I just oh, yeah. want to wrap up Miss Martian's big point of Please. like when she was fighting. Yeah. Um, when she was fighting John, mm. Martian Manhunter. First off, it was cool that they acknowledged that, like, hey, my mental powers are stronger than yours, and made him feel like he was in a pit of fire to the point that it like affected him physically. Yeah. But the whole, like, her trying to sneak up on him and, like, arms just coming out of his back and his face just shifting in the back of his head. I was like, what the hell? This is so weird. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was definitely one of those moments for me, too. I could not help but audibly just be... It reminded me a lot of that, uh, a, a, again, that Amazo episode when she was on the rooftop with the, the monkeys and everything like that and Kid Flash at that the point still had the, the, the big crush on her and she turns around <laughs> with, like, all the arms and he's like, ugh. <laughs> they both just screamed at each other. Yeah. <laughs> but you know you're right. I'm so glad that you you brought that up. We should focus on on the more focal characters before we we spin off to Red Tornado and whatnot. But it really is fitting that you know uh, all these other battle uh, battles sabbatical for battles, all these other battles <laughs> uh, 
At Solomon Brothers Jewelers, their customers always come first. They're a family business that has been setting the standard of customer care for over 30 years. They have thousands of in-stock options for wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds, and can promise the lowest prices at the highest quality. A diamond marks a new chapter in your life. Trust Solomon Brothers experts with commemorating the most precious moments in your life. Visit SolomonBrothers.com today to begin making memories. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Took, were very physical and, and, you know, had a lot of weight to them. It's very fitting that theirs was a battle in the mind. And, yeah. Uh, again, they do, they do a good job of, like, things that are established as far as power sets and limitations and whatnot. Like, it was slowly seeded through to us throughout the season that fire was a major problem in terms of like suppressing her powers and whatnot. So we, we really got a, a great moment too. when Roy shot off that flaming arrow and, you know, Martian Manhunter allows it to phase through him, but it's, he still gets a little bit of that, that fire. I was like, yeah. Ooh, that's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and then, uh, black canary scream Ooh. and which boy just puts the headphones on. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's again, he's, he's hilarious. Uh, it was, it was really nice to see, um, Diana's, uh, powers in full capacity, even though it was a little terrifying to see them used, uh, against us a lot, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you got to see her hand to hand combat with Robin too, but because he was so familiar with it, he actually like planted the smoke screen and rocket got to, knock her out um but to go back to red tornado yeah he got to um, see the scream pretty yeah that was definitely another one of those kind of like chilling moments because he's like transferred his consciousness into this android human body going by john smith i believe so like the whole team is in the uh uh what is the the new genesis wheel uh (laughs) yeah they're basically all riding there and she screams and like what starts is it like it obviously hits him and physically affects him, but then, like, you slowly start seeing parts of him chip away. I'm like, oh, God. And the entire and his rest first of- half just gets torn off, too. I'm like, ugh! So, yeah, the the rest of the episode, he's just got this one eye that's, like, com- completely exposed. It's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's fitting for Red Poor Tornado. guy's finally human in his, like, his alter ego for the first time, and it gets ripped in half. And then, like, when he's on the watchtower, like, he gets grabbed from behind, and the other League members just rip his limbs off. Like, mm. Oh, yeah. he, he got it rough. He got it rough. But he did He did get one of the, like, most laugh-out-line moments for me in the entire season, you know? It was one of the final moments in the, in the entire show. Ending on New Year's Eve, it's kind of funny how uh, everything kind of shook out to take place within the span of six months. It started on July 4th, a holiday, and, and finishes on New Year's Eve. But anyway, we've got all our characters, you know, part of it being an adolescent young show. The the hormones have definitely been an element of it. We talked about Kid Flash crushing on McGann initially, and then she forms her relationship with Superboy. But all these people couple up, and uh, <laughs> he's just lying on the ground without any limbs. He's like, what, is it? what does he say? Human customs still escape me. <laughs> still elude me. Elude me. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> It was great. You see uh, McGann and Superboy kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I squealed when Zatanna and Robin ki- Well, she grabbed him. She was just oh, like, yeah. come here, big guy. <laughs> yeah. And then Rocket just kind of gives a gentle like kiss on the cheek to Calderon. But she kind of alluded like at the beginning of the episode, too. She was like, ooh, there's benefits to this. Yeah, she, she kind of looked at him like a piece of meat, which... I, Everyone's I, got their eye candy right off the bat. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, it's it's nice for Calder to get a, get a little love. And I, I like the fact that, you know, she's the newest member. She doesn't go into full-on make-out mode. She just gives him a, an appropriate and respectful yeah. peck. I, yeah. It's it's very in keeping with the, with the the character of Aqualad, too. I, I can only imagine what his reaction would have been if she had pulled a Zatanna on him. <laughs> she's like, I'll help you get over Tula. No worries. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I don't think... The team would have survived if it wasn't for for Red Tornado. Like he was a key factor in in their victory. Yeah. How how so? What what specifically? So when they tried to infect him with the virus, he said that he had nanoseconds right before it kicked in to have like this. He, he programmed this sub objective that if he tries to infect anybody else, then his whole body would shut down. And it was at that 
point when Batman had the team convinced that they were good and Roy was the mole and he's on the run, that Red Tornado tried to infect uh, Calderon and you see him just power down and that's when they were like, this is the virus that we tracked down. This right. can't be good. Yeah. And Zatanna comes up with the idea of like, hey, let's put him in his android and see if his conscience has come back because Robin discovers that it wasn't a uh, a software issue. Right. So they transfer the conscience over and that's when... <laughs> When Canary has the great line walking in, what are you doing? It's not what it looks like. It looks like you're transferring him to another body. Maybe right. it is. And then he gives the warning, like, the league is bad. Like, run, kids. And, yeah, if if it wasn't for him, like, they would have been screwed. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, you're, I'm glad I have Dead you mother here to, to the rescue. Yeah. I'm glad I, I have you here to kind of, like, help me recap those things because I'm, like, just coming off of, like, such a rush. Like, my mind is still focused on the last few things I, I saw, but yeah, that, that's, that's definitely critical. And, uh, it, it's appropriate for the, the kind of role red tornado has played all along the way. You know, he did have his little brief stint with his siblings where his, his loyalty was questioned, but we found out, you know, he, he really had the best intentions in mind there. And he's, like we said, he, he has definitely faced a beating physically <laughs> Uh, his privacy has not been very well respected, but uh, you're right. There would not have been a final battle without him. So this is my, my thank you to Red Tornado. Thanks for being you, buddy. We appreciate you, Red. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the team, you get you really get to see a lot of the team's um, capability over the season, too. Because, yeah, the, the league was uh, under the influence of Witch Boy, so they weren't at a hundred percent but their ability to communicate and come up with plans right away and work as a team to sneak up on every member and know how to um bring them down quick enough to give them the cure Mm. was really impressive to watch it's like wow they've come a long way in six months especially after like fighting with each other so much too yeah yeah Certainly from that first episode where we saw just Aqualad, uh, Kid Flash, and Robin, you know, rushing in to save Superboy. At the very end of that episode, we started to get the seeds that this team could really work together. But the fact that they were able to to beat the people that trained and taught them really shows how, how far they've come as a team. So that that's an excellent point. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, with these great comic book references we've gotten all along the way the very thing that provides the avenue for them to to fight the ultimate villains and you know an evil justice league is that technology which is a great allusion to starro who was the the original justice league villain he if you go back to the original comics the first time that the justice league had to unite to fight a villain was because of starro and starro you know has little spawns that attach onto people's faces and then he can control them. So really, really great job of adapting it for a, a modern audience. I was, I was really impressed with the way that they, they worked Starro into the, into the fabric. Did you pick up on that at all? I actually didn't know that. So I just learned something. That's fascinating. I I provide little things here and there where I can. Uh, what, what character should we, we, uh, tackle next? I think you've done a a good job leading the conversation in that regard. Have we hit the main crew? Is there anybody we're leaving out? Zatanna, I know is a favorite of yours. I don't think we've done her justice. No, that's exactly what I was going to say is that we should probably hit, uh, Vandal Savage in the light, but on Zatanna's point, I do want to say, like, I texted you this, but I love her sass when she's giving her spells, especially against the Riddler. Like, she does, she hasn't had much screen time in comparison, but, like, there's never a wasted moment without it. Like, everything is just gold. Um, You see, it was during the... That was the person we missed in the Justice League induction when we forgot Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate is officially part of the Justice League, and as soon as they announce his name, you see Zatanna just, like, go into depression and... Obviously, like, Robin comes in to console her. So the fact that she drags him in for the kiss is really no surprise. But then when they... That was another one of the moments of the student taking down their master is that they they managed to sneak up on Dr. Fate, too. 
Yeah. And that's when Rocket says, like, we could use his powers. And she was like, all right, you guys go ahead. I'll come to the next one. And she, you see her just, like, desperately trying to take the helmet off to try to get back her dad. Which is always an ongoing theme. Like, that. I hate to talk about the other seasons too much, but it's a, it's a constant thing of her trying to, like, get back to her dad as much mm. as she can. Uh-huh. And, man, it's just always so heartbreaking to see. And I think it was it was Billy, Billy Batson, that was kind of watching at the same time, too. Just kind of like, like dude, I'm so sorry type of thing. Because he was there when all of that happened. Right, right. And he's the one that uh, actually speaks up when, you know, uh, in a, a few episodes prior when the Justice League is having their deliberation. Animation deliberation. Um, they're having their deliberation about, you know, the potential new members of the Justice League. And that's when... Uh, He's like, hey, why are we even listening to Dr. Fate? He basically took Zatanna captive. And that's yeah. that's when we kind of get the acknowledgement that Zatanna still is in, the, is in there because he says he wants, you know, Fate to be on the Justice League and to have eyes on what's going on. But then when they even suggest Zatanna as a potential member, uh, well, actually, I should say before that, they do mention Kid Flash and uh, Aqualad. And they say, you know, He's been inside both of their minds. They're worthy. They're ready. And then what about Zatanna? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. it sounds like there's a little bit of uh, Zatanna still in there. <laughs> so Zatara is the dad. So, oh, I keep doing that. You yeah. said Zatanna for both of them, but yeah. I, I, I kind of kept up. Yeah, <laughs> Zatara, so Zatara, Zatara. Zatara is the Zatana. one under the helmet. Zatanna <laughs> is the amazing witch? Sorceress? I don't know. Badass. Uh, Magical yeah. badass. Magician, I believe. But... I'll go with that. That works. Yeah. Badass is still Forget applicable. Up definitely says magician. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I have on Zatanna. So unless you want to add something, we can move over to Vandal Savage in the light. No, I, I, I think, uh, you know, in covering the character of Robin, that was... We... Yeah, even without bringing up Robin, she really didn't have uh, a ton of screen time. But like you said, the screen time that she did have was maximized. She had that great moment with the kiss with Robin. And uh, as far as still showing, you know, the pain and anguish she's experiencing uh, with the loss of Zatara. So, uh, yeah, I I think that that pretty much covers it for good old Zatanna. So we can move on to our overarching villains uh, for the season. Vandal Savage in the light. Which Vandal Savage we really didn't see much of. We saw him in the Kid Flash episode when he was running across the country. Right. He provided Because it was the 12 minutes that really threw him off. Right. And then you kind of saw him in the end of the Un- Injustice League episode, which they confirmed was a distraction. When you see the, all of the light members come out. But it's like there was no indication of him having any intent or like what his purpose was because you see lex luther doing his thing you see raz al ghul popping up from time to time right but the light's mission was really quiet and i feel like as viewers we got really distracted too because we were so focused on the mole stuff that we weren't paying attention to all these little things that all came together but when they gave the breakdown of how everything came together it was like everything was relevant oh yeah yeah um and like I said when we were watching, like I feel like there's a lot of things in season one alone of Young Justice that did endgame things before it was cool. And lo and behold, he got tired of humans not being able to evolve and the weaker dying off. And that was his mission was that the he needed to stop the Justice League from helping natural order because this man's 50,000 years old. Right. Yeah. His whole argument was survival of the fittest uh, is the natural course of things. And with the Justice League, you know being an anomaly to the to the natural order of things they're able to save these weak and you know pretty helpless humans by eliminating them that will allow humans to evolve to the next level so uh, i don't i don't know what basis on that he really has other than you know his thousands of years of life um what I mean, do you have any more insight? I mean, without spoiling subsequent seasons or anything like that, it's just kind of. I really uh, don't I'm know. I was gonna it... say, if it wasn't for these humans, then pandas would probably have gone extinct by now, and this embarrassment wouldn't exist. Um, so screw you, Vandal Savage. We wouldn't be pandas if it wasn't for humans. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love stranded pandas so much. <laughs> 
Yeah. But yeah, it was his his intent was interesting. Like you see that and one of the things I really appreciate was that he even makes the point where it's like there's bioweaponry, there's technology weaponry, and then magic was thrown in techno magic, he says specifically. Right. So he he found like minded people within this day and age and was very open to the fact that there are many different aspects and you see those different aspects within the team within the villains within the other people around and able to incorporate all these things together to to hit his objective because the virus essentially hit all of the human members it hit all the alien members it hit all the tech members like red tornado it was really well thought out in this little like illuminati of the smartest villains in this universe coming together was pretty ingenious and who knows except for all the people who have watched this show over the last 2012 it's 2021 Uh, now (laughs) eight years eight nine years (laughs) who knows you know what what the future holds with this organization because lord knows they're not done with it yet Hmm. um and on the on the the I guess if they're the light, then the darker end of it, the Justice League end would be the darker end. I'm overthinking I, I, this. Analogy. No, no. Here, here. But um, <laughs> on the on the opposite end of the spectrum, like you get to see how much that same logic went into the team's ability to come up with the cure. Sure. They mentioned that Star Labs and Queen Mira and other people like work together to find the cure for this virus to get the Justice League back to safety. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. It, it, it does kind of speak to what you said. The, the entire time I was questioning what exactly is the light's uh, motivation. And, you know, with a name like the light, I mean, the best villains are always the ones that, that believe they're right and, you know, see a worthy cause before them. Um, so I guess not to detract from it or anything like that. I'm just like now that I'm kind of like, having the weight of everything that happened kind of wash over me. I'm just kind of like trying to process like what exactly was the, the end goal there, but it seems like it was just, you know, subjugation through control at the end of the day. You're well now. (laughs) No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just, I'm just literally like processing it through my mind. That's why I'm kind of having a difficult time. But yeah, I guess it it was, uh, subjugation through control, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's his idea of, uh, survival of the fittest he is the the fittest therefore he should uh he and the light should be the ones that dictate the terms of survival well he survived for fifty thousand years so he's doing something right yeah he's yeah. all right vandal <laughs> i'd like to all say right. he's pretty fit <laughs> all right vandal you got a few scars but uh other than that you're looking pretty good we'll give it to you man this is only phase one of his plan oh oh yeah yeah that, that was the big thing you're right yeah when he said phase two i was like what mm-hmm. this has all been phase one 26 episodes of phase one yeah <laughs> and then i just gotta say uh guardian is terrible at his job <laughs> uh. <laughs> i mean how many I, things did he I'm let good. i'm i'm gonna let you speculate well i mean how many things well I, at, at this point we, we know that he is uh what is he roy harper's uncle is that correct uncle okay in quotation marks but they definitely have a a physical resemblance there but uh i'm trying to remember what all went down in that final scene but we basically got confirmation that he knew that the real roy harper was down there in a tube and missing his arm so uh yeah not only does he well i guess he doesn't actually suck at his job he's pretty good at his job because he's been doing a great job of making everybody else think that he sucks at his job but is able to keep that job for some reason so he's good at his sub job Failing upwards. That's Guardian yeah. for you. Or failing and staying at the same place. <laughs> uh, I'm just kind of glancing over any any final thoughts I had. We Oh, okay. This is this is one for you. We did have a, a brief interaction with Riddler. Did Riddler have the list before, or was that a result of him getting punched by somebody i was i was wondering is that something that kind of paid off because i don't remember him having the gap in the teeth when we saw him in bell reeve the first time but i could just be misremembering i noticed that he had a gap 
in his teeth okay this episode i didn't think much past it okay now I'm curious if you had one before or not. I, I kind of want to go back and, and rewatch because I think the one other time that you he think popped, he actually got his tooth knocked out? Maybe he might have because I was like, oh, man, this this list is very is very prominent, and I I never noticed it before. Um, another another joke that that landed really well for me <laughs> was when uh, we find out you know uh, it's the circus episode when we find out that Parasite was the uh, the villain all along and basically when he drains people's powers they're susceptible to this weakening which they think is a flu initially and i can't remember who oh no it's it's uh mcgann she says who knew that martians were susceptible to human diseases and robin's just like hg <laughs> wells <laughs> i love the you know, War of the world's reference <laughs> i didn't get the reference but well the way he delivered it i was like J. Scott is going to appreciate this and bring it up, so I'm not even going to bother <laughs> looking it up right now. I'm just going to let him explain it to me. Yeah. So for I, those I, of us who did not catch on to it, yeah, what was I'm the sure I'm, yeah, that? I'm sure that you're not the only one out there. But uh, War of the Worlds uh, was H.G. Wells, you know, epic. It was a, a book as well as a radio play, and it was adapted into the Tom Cruise vehicle that came out in uh, 2005, I want to say. But basically, the world gets you know invaded by Martians, and the one thing that ends up being uh, their undoing is a is a simple human bacteria once they expose themselves to air it's a basically a sneeze that takes them out so it's <laughs> awesome yeah definitely a, a nice illusion there i mean it just like you know just like all our other favorite franchises it, it's uh does a great job of paying homage to the lore that exists within the dc pantheon as well as making some great pop culture references which i always appreciate for sure uh well that's all i've got as far as my notes go i mean yeah it's it's again like having taken all this in i'm still just on cloud nine and super looking forward to season two i mean season one was so well done the way everything paid off uh yeah thanks for recommending the show um if there's anybody out there that's listening and for some reason you're you're listening and you haven't watched uh i i would highly recommend it's one of the best animated shows and one of the best comic book related shows just in this first season um i can certainly attest to that if we haven't done justice again no pun intended to it on this podcast check it out for yourself regardless and then come back and listen again (laughs) uh you you have anything else you want to say as about the season or the show as a whole two things sure what you got so i i I looked up vandal savage because i was trying to figure out his age mm-hmm. so he said fifty thousand years plus 44 years biologically wow do you want to know his former aliases yeah lay it on me what you got marduk sun Tzu, attila the hun wow Genghis khan mm-hmm. and blackbeard the pirate interesting in this in this universe of okay. young justice hmm was that I guess that that must be provided in uh, subsequent material, maybe like comics or, or something like that, or do. Well, I'm still on the the Young Justice fandom page, oh, okay. the Young Justice wiki. Okay. Um. So I guess there was some point where he mentioned that, but I thought the because he's been alive so long, he's actually been different people was kind of interesting. No, no, it totally makes sense when you're around that long. You gotta adapt some different monikers, otherwise, you know. An empire can only last so long. Um, So the last point, before I wrap up, is six members of the Justice League were missing for 16 hours. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. I think it was Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Jon Stewart's Green Lantern, and then Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Or Hawkgirl. I can't remember Hawkman, but I know Hawkwoman for sure was part of it. But yeah. Okay. What are your speculations? Well, we just kind of spoke to the fact that Vandal Savage has a phase two. Um, in terms of what that could be, 16 hours. What could be done by six different people in 16 hours? And given who these different members were. Hmm, okay. Just pie in the sky theory here. I think we're going to see something not unlike that... Um, 
there's a classic run from the comics so forgive me i can't name it off the top of my head but basically all the members of the league end up getting defeated uh and it's because batman batman knew knew all their their hidden weaknesses and he used that uh to his advantage so my guess would be he has dispatched these various sleeper agents that have influence in various areas i i uh you know green lantern obviously is the uh police for an entire section of the galaxy uh batman you know has a lot more capability right there on earth and then uh with the the hawk people i would say um they're out there in thanagard so i just yeah i just i I guess here i would imagine that he's trying to cripple um defenses on a universal scale just just my guess this time he was trying to take out the justice league where do you go from the justice league the universe that's all i got (laughs) Uh, uh that being said if you guys haven't watched the one-shot movie justice league doom check it out because it's pretty awesome justice league doom okay well have you seen that one uh no i haven't i think i've seen justice league it's the story of it's a movie of batman using everyone's weaknesses against them oh perfect oh okay that's a really good movie okay excellent excellent now, yeah, you. I think you have done a better job um, in terms of catching all the stuff in the DC animated universe as opposed to me. So, I will definitely. There defer. was one point where everything was just on Netflix, and I just kind of watched everything one after the other. Oh, okay, yeah. I know I caught Flashpoint Paradox when that was on there, and I really enjoyed that one. Oh, that's my second favorite one. Okay, if 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 you're if you like Flashpoint Paradox that much, and you're recommending Doom, I'll definitely have to go back and and check that out now. I mean, I've got so much stuff to watch, but uh, based on your recommendation of Young Justice, you are doing well so far, so... Oh yeah, Jay Scotty, I'll gladly tell you what number one on that list is. Yeah, what is it? It's, I, um... I assumed it was, I assumed it was Doom. No, Maybe Doom's I misunderstood you. Okay. pretty high up there. No, Flashpoint Paradox ah, is number two. Doom is really good. I highly recommend it. Ah, I see. It. I just thought, given the flow of the conversation, that's, uh, that's why I didn't ask, but go ahead. Uh, Under the Red Hood. Oh, right on. Cool. Cool. That was oh, so good. Have you have you played Arkham Knight? That's the only Arkham game I played. Oh, interesting, interesting. It's a great game, but not my favorite of the series. It's I actually, not to be too negative here, it's my least favorite of this of of the trilogy. But yeah, great set of games, and and it's still very much up there in terms of presenting the Batman lore. Uh, yeah, it's the best of both worlds. It's like the Christian Bale, Michael Keaton plus the animated stuff all mashed into one. So if you're a gamer at all, I, I do encourage you to go back and revisit those other games. But um, so. so by by saying trilogy, you're part of the party that doesn't acknowledge Origins? Well, I played Origins, <laughs> and I like Origins, and it, Origins is a great game, especially if you're a completionist, but the fact that it was developed by a, a different studio. You have, to, you have to know what's what. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> no, I, I liked Origins well enough. Yeah, all right, so think, you, all right, uh, so you got Under the Red Hood, and then Flashpoint Paradox, and then what's after that? It's no particular order. Okay. Doom is really good and worth watching, um, but the DC animated universe, which starts with Flashpoint Paradox, um, goes into Justice League War, which is the first time the league meets up, and it's like nineteen movies, just like how MCU has theirs. Okay. Each movie is actually connected throughout 19 chapters. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And it ends with uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse. And, man, that whole story. Like, as soon as I finished that one, I was like, I need to start all of these from the beginning again because they are so good. Well, sounds like uh, we've got no lack of content coming up here as far as the, the stuff we're going to cover. But uh, Nope. It's uh, With those being, like, you know, one, you, you sit down and watch one thing from the beginning to the to the end i don't see why um at some point in time we couldn't go back and take that journey it, it's one that i would love to take so yeah i'm done cool, cool. i could i could break that up into arcs too <laughs> all right all right well it's not all on you but uh yeah you've done a, a great job curating episodes and arcs so far so if you want to do that thing i i trust you you do the editing i have to contribute somehow <laughs> aside from the sound of my voice it, it's it's not a bad sound so all right, well, uh, that's going to do it for Animation Deliberations coverage of Young Justice Season 1. So, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, hopefully we've gotten the announcement for Young Justice Season 4. 
But if not, this will be a, a nice uh, little, you know, build up to that eventual announcement. Um, again, thank you to Zuhair Ali for uh, suggesting this series and kind of, you know, uh, taking me along for this ride. It's It's been really enjoyable, and I hope you folks out there listening have enjoyed. Uh, I'll just go ahead and plug a couple stuff, and I'll, I'll leave it to Zuhair. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, you can find me everywhere at jscottyforreal. And uh, please follow, you know, everything Stranded Panda. Go to strandedpanda.com where you can join the Stranded Panda Army. Find the Facebook Stranded Panda chat um, and all the great podcasts we're doing there. Animation Deliberation, the MCU podcast, Bingers Assemble, Bingers Assemble Star Trek Universe podcast. Uh, check out the great things we're doing there. Zuhair, I, uh, I leave it in your whelmed hands. I will just say Red Sun. Stay whelmed. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Later. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. Right here, in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.